Hello and welcome to The Coaching Podcast, coaching for success in sport and business. Your host is Emma Doyle, the energy and high performance under pressure coach who is a world leader in unleashing human potential. Buckle up for this high octane session. Let them have it, coach. G'day, everybody, and welcome to The Coaching Podcast. My name's Emma Doyle and I'm here with another Emma, Emma Wells. Welcome to the show, Em. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing today? Yeah, doing great. And we don't just share a similar name. We share a similar passion for running our own business. I know I started my first business, Tennis Innovations, many years ago, pretty similar to you in the fact that, you know, you started from ground zero and now yep. uh, she works with 700 weekly players teams of five coaches, it's Emma Wells Tennis. She's also the head of PTR UK, that's Professional Tennis Registry. And she also tutors for the LTA in training school teachers, university students on the LTA youth programs. And you are so much more than just your bio. I can't wait to get started. So da, 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 drum roll. I know you're in the UK. She's got that yep. beautiful British accent. I know you're probably a Marmite fan, but the first question is the Vegemite question. You either love it or you strongly dislike it. What's your take, Em? Everybody said that they didn't like it. I tried it and I actually loved it. So ah. I am a lover. I am a Vegemite <laughs> Well, I love you even more. <laughs> the time we've spent together, we always get along well. So I'm looking forward to this show. Therefore, our follow-up question is, of course, can you share with us a coaching moment uh, mm. that went really well and what might be a lesson or two for our listeners? I mean, I think we've talked previously about this as well. It's like steering and managing a business through COVID. It was really interesting everything that was thrown at me as well a coach business owner everything like that to um I guess just carry on know when to almost start the business stop the business um learn how to deal with all the different um people's opinions on COVID should we be open should we not be open so when I look at it my god I felt like I was at six flags on a roller coaster half the time and then um suddenly you come out the other end and breathe um but yeah I think loads of different situations Loads of amazing times, um, but also a lot of stressful times, but that's the part of running any business. But ultimately, yeah, I mean, we survived, we came through, and now we've grown stronger than ever. So that was probably the, the most mm. proudest moment I've had. Yeah, and no doubt in lots of different areas as well. There was probably just, it sounds like it wasn't just one thing. It was being able to get through and be resilient. How did you get up each day and think, God, how am I going to, you know, when you question getting through the day or how are you going to, cover payroll and things like that when you just started your business yeah I think at, at the start I think same as everybody it was scary you don't know what it is it's the unknown and and suddenly you know the government's saying you've got to close your business <laughs> it's like okay right I've still got to pay my staff I've you know, a lot of people have paid for the term and I think because it wasn't just me alone going through it as a business it was every other business in the UK was doing the same thing they're having to close pubs bars restaurants other sports businesses I think that you felt you weren't alone. Um, I think that was a big thing. If if it was an isolated problem, then it'd be like, oh my God, what do I do? But actually, you know, sharing um, stories with other business owners, other coaches, sharing problems, and then suddenly you feel like you got that indirect support there. I think that was the biggest thing um, which helped me get through. And then it was just like every day having a chat with somebody maybe I hadn't had a chat with. For example, I had a, a nice um, Zoom with Mark Bullock, who's um, one of the disability um, heads in the UK and connecting with all these people that I wouldn't normally connect and so it was kind of a different 
connectivity rather than actually with clients all the time. It was right. How do we get through this time for the clients and use the structures around? Mm, yeah, that support of people. Sometimes you don't even realize who your support network is. Yeah. And yeah. an opportunity to connect with people you don't normally connect with. What about on the flip side, Em? Can you share a coaching moment that didn't go well and what might be a lesson or two? I work outside, right? So weather is always a big thing. And I'm from the north. We never cancel with the weather. But there has been a couple of times you thought, oh, should I have cancelled? And then the kids are there in the rain, pouring rain. The phones go in. The parents are like, are you cancelling? Are you cancelling? And the kids are having fun. So it's like, do you listen to the parents? Do you listen to the kids? Everything's safe on the court. But at the same time, it's um, expectations and reality. And yeah, I think that's one big thing with tennis as well. It's, it is sometimes treated on its own thing as, okay, it's raining, we're not playing. But the reality is, well, if it's raining, just dress for the weather, right? <laughs> Especially in England, as you know, it's, um, it is a bit, well, rainy, let's say. So if we weren't playing rain, then we wouldn't be playing 80% of the year probably. So yeah, I think that was, it's almost sometimes it's like, oh, am I doing the right thing? Um, but I think having belief in what you're doing, kind of, you've you got to get that back to the parents really, and then they trust you a bit more. One of the biggest take-home messages about that story, I think, as well, is you never know later on in life, even if they go on to play college tennis and you've got one of those days where it's horrific wind or it's sideways rain and you think it's going to cancel and then, and then it's still on. As yeah. That's the one advantage of yeah. growing up in <laughs> tough conditions. Rather yeah, than- and, then, and then on the other end I had in, in March this year, <laughs> Um, some three-year-olds turn up on I think we had almost a hurricane in the UK and yeah I mean everything was cancelled like trains everything like that and these three-year-olds still turned up for tennis and I mean they were getting blown I mean I will set boundaries of weather conditions but they were just a whole different level whether it's the parents or them wanting to play but they looked so surprised why we weren't playing I'm like have you seen that tree there it's fallen right over (laughs) so do you want to do that on the court um but yeah I think it's that's just the part of being outside you've got to be adaptable but you know it can bring a lot of challenges but it also brings a lot of decision making too and consistency with parents about are we you know what are we doing and most time we are on minus that one time let's say (laughs) well the sliding doors movie of course is based on that train that mines the gap and she jumps on the train she doesn't jump on the train uh, you know it. It's a great movie. Uh, I hope all our listeners have seen it by now. But anyway, uh, can you share with us a sliding doors moment for you? Yeah, I, I think long and hard about this because there are a few points, obviously, in your life. You're like, OK, I've gone this way. I've gone that way. And this moment actually involves you, which is weirdly enough. So five or six years ago, um, you were over doing a course and you just literally said to me, what are you doing here? And that was it. I remember vividly where I was. I remember um just that simple straight question and I couldn't answer it and that was kind of like the decision for me of right I need to make changes in my life to go on the career path I want to go on and and do what I want to do and enjoy it so um but I think it takes sometimes somebody to say that to you (laughs) and to actually make that change otherwise you just rumble along really and um yeah, so that was, yeah, I bet you didn't know you're going to be involved in that moment, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we, as coaches, we never know, do we, how pivotal no. a question is. Yeah, yeah. And it can be so in- impactful without realising it. And I think that's one of the beauties of coaching is, yeah, you can make such a big difference to somebody by a simple statement. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was the one for me. Very simple phrase, you know, what you're doing here. And I didn't know. <laughs> that was the reality. Mm. So, and made a lot of changes um, from there onwards. 
Yeah. And the power of you drawing your own conclusions from a question. Yeah. I love, I love that take-home message. Yeah. Well, thank you. I'm chuffed. I, I, we haven't <laughs> had that on the podcast yet. No one's ah, there we go. First time. the host. <laughs> I feel very grateful and very humble. Thank you. The next question is our guiding question. In one to a maximum of three words, what makes a great coach? See, this is three things are always the same for me. So caring, um, you've got to be caring because you're working with people. And if you don't care about them, you shouldn't be a coach. <laughs> um, consistent. So every time you're with them, you've got to be consistent in your approach. Um, and then the last thing is to be creative and think out of the box in terms of how to, to deal with people because everybody's slightly different with their personalities. So those three things are some, yeah, I always go for those three in terms of when I'm working with people, I need to do those three things to build the best program for them. Mm. I think uh, one thing, could you expand on the last one? I've watched a lot of your you know, social media and I've followed your career since the very first day we've met. And I've just seen how, you know, your videos are so creative and mm. with the little kids and what they're doing on the court mm. and the equipment that you use. And mm. did that come naturally to you or do you think you had to work at being creative? I think I've, I've always been massive on community and this comes I guess from the the start of the branding really um I grew up in a pub um and it was a very community orientated um it's all about the people ultimately because that's what grew a, a small pub in in the UK and um for me that was what I wanted to foster and then with that creativity I spent a bit of time working in the states did camp America for four summers worked there for two years as well and one thing I noticed about Americans and American sports is great branding um, always so college sports and I, I love that feel I remember going to um, I think one of my friends was at the Kansas Jayhawks and he was doing some assistant coaching there and you know he let me go into the merch room and I was like wow it's like everything's blue and white it's just so consistent and, and amazing and I was like well that is that's how I would want my tennis club to look if I was to ever do it so what I've tried to do is combine the community element and the creativity to kind of combined to make teams on the tennis court really and um you know when everyone thinks of me they think of red which is is great it's nice and consistent um but also fun you know I think fun is what kids want and um you know to get them kind of engaged it's that creativity trying to foster that and get that out of them um and a lot of problem solving themselves so when I upload videos it's normally them doing things by themselves or having fun with friends because ultimately that's what they want to do as children because they're children before they're players and I think that's where we sometimes forget sometimes and trying to build them into players mm, and I think that concept of fun having watched you on court having been to the UK and seen you coach I love that the fun element includes always some sort of learning piece so yeah and, fun, I think, fun, yeah. and then the learning is uh layered within it um one of my yeah. favorite favorite coaching things and when we worked together for the PTA Young Game Changers in uh, your presentation that was one of the through lines that I remember yes fun yep. is important and yep. having that underlying learning component uh, yeah I think is really 
something that you bring to the surface really well. So maybe it's the four C's. An interesting point. It's um, it's when you think of fun, it's sometimes thought as facilitation. Um, actually, fun if it's focused is is conditioned learning. And you know, I think sometimes, um, especially when I started up my company, it was three to nine years and. Yeah, most most of the things look fun, but actually the kids' development was a lot faster than, you know, if they're being basket fed and the traditional side, side of coaching, let's say, not player-centered. Um, so I still I still think there's a long way to go in terms of the understanding of fun, fun is okay. You know, I had, a, I had a girl over from Dubai. She was being coached and she'd only had the coach in Dubai. She came to like, oh, we're playing games. And I said, yeah, have you ever made a friend at tennis? No. <laughs> so she made her first friend at tennis and um, yeah, it took a little bit of understanding for her. I mean, she was seven years old, but afterwards she went beaming back to her grandma saying she absolutely loved tennis that day. So, um, you know, moments like that, you remember and um, change of cultures, but also just bringing people together. Awesome. And what about uh, when you get a chance to meet other successful coaches? What's that one question that you love to ask of others? I think for everybody, um, even when you're working with players or speaking to other coaches, what's the motivation? So why are they doing what they're doing? Because there's a lot of coaches out there, but what motivates them to be a coach? Is it because they've played tennis when they were younger? Is it because they actually like people? <laughs> Is it because they like, um, you know, community feels? So I think it's really interesting for me to see and kind of visualize everybody's coaching journey. Um, Cause then you get a makeup of different coaches around there and, if you don't know why, what you're doing, then it's it's kind of what you need to be confident in why you're there, really. I think sometimes if I'm just there because I played when I was younger, well, that was when you're younger. Do you actually enjoy what you do now? Um, so, yeah, it really, I think it's fascinating uh, people's journeys, let's say, and everyone's had massively different journeys, even in the same industry. Mm. And I think one thing that you hit the nail on the head with regards to coaching is the reason why we coach is not necessarily the reason why somebody's coming to to learn tennis. Yeah. And 100%, yeah. Knowing that distinction and being able to adjust your coaching and pivot, yeah. be agile. I think it's yeah. one of my favorite words in 2022 that just keeps coming up is agile. Have to it's be a great agile, word. Have to be agile. And my biggest aha moment back in 2006 where when I went and got out of tennis and studied everything to do with human development hmm. personalities and all the rest of it I was like ah oh, I have to change who I am to be able to coach this yeah. person yeah but I think but, looking in the mirror sometimes like, rather than just thinking you've got to give 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 like actually self-reflect and um, I actually hired a business coach last year because I was almost struggling a bit with with my time management of where I should be within the business, on the business, coaching and all these different elements as as I kind of grew. And the number one thing he said to me is, where do you value your time the most? And again, it's like having that somebody to tell you, OK, fine, do I you know, want to be on the court all this time? If I'm on the court all that time, I'm not going to be growing the business. Do I want to be growing people? Do I want to spend time with the coaches helping them on their journey? And it's um, it was that perspective that I didn't realize that I needed really. Um, someone else had to, again, just give me that little nudge and say, okay, where, where do you want to spend your time if you are to grow the business? And um, so that was a bit, of a, a bit of a sliding doors again. We're kind of retracting a bit, but that was another sliding doors moment for me. What was another sliding doors question? 
that helped yeah. you self-reflect, which is business coaching, which is what the podcast is all about. Yeah. How do we learn from tennis and sports coaches and how do we learn from business coaches to be able to amalgamate whatever that yeah. means for you, whatever you need to add into your own coaching toolkit? I chose a business coach that has nothing to do with tennis. I just wanted to have somebody to look at the business totally away from any attraction to tennis. He didn't ever play. He was just working with loads of businesses locally and regionally and I wanted somebody to look frankly at the business of um, not necessarily numbers but all the different elements HR marketing um, you know staffing what am I doing here that where do I want to go and um, and that was really refreshing actually to speak to someone that wasn't in the exact same industry and, and gave me a lot of new ideas too so I'd absolutely recommend any kind of business mm -hmm. owner to, to do that not necessarily in tennis but in any industry because it just mm -hmm. it makes you think of it out of the box and um yeah just let somebody else in from a different world really it's almost if I'm on court it's um either for events or because I want to which is quite a nice place to be in um and that gives the coaching team a lot of hours as well because they're they're in kind of comfortable roles um but what I've done a lot better is manage where I want to be on a day-to-day -day basis and another thing the business coach said to me is you know, if you're darting around from here to here to here, doing like 10 things a day, you're actually achieving nothing. So actually spend time and do a couple of things really well and dedicate that time to it. And you'll, you, you'll feel better and achieve more. So um, mm -hmm. again, change of perspective. But before when I did a, a diary, a 15 minute diary that he made me do, I realized how much I was trying to achieve in a day. And the reality is I wasn't really achieving much because I was trying to do too many things. So um, That's a yeah, great handle in the vision. <laughs> I like that coaching tool. Yeah, fifteen minute diary to. It's frightening. <laughs> spend spend your time. And, I felt and, like a Duracell bunny. I was like, oh my god, yeah. this is where I am all day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes you, your energy can suffer in that when that happens, can't it? Yeah, exactly. Uh, the power of delegation came up there as well. So let's mm -hmm. go there. What are some of the ways that you manage your team? What's important to you? with your mm. coaching staff and, and finding good quality coaches? It's accountability is a big thing. And I, I think there was a point a couple of years ago that I was still trying to do everything myself, not because I thought I could do it better than anybody else, but I just thought it'd be faster if I did it myself. And it's that mentality of you have to let go certain elements and trust people with different elements of the business. So, um, you know, for example, now I've got a junior manager. He's fantastic. He's got his things he's looking out for and we'll have our regular meetings. I've got someone running the administration side, which is great. So I'm not just taking general inquiries. I'm actually, time I'm spending on admin is steering the business rather than administrating the business. So I think trusting people in their roles, but also putting parameters in that they can actually do their roles and know what they're doing, um, which has taken a bit of time to get that, the training processes in there. Um, you know, website management, um, finance, there's all different things as the business grows. It's spending time and effort to make sure those grow at, at the same standard as everything else, really, because everything's good on the court. It's not the same off the court. Then you're not running a business. You're just running a, a tennis operation, which is not going to grow if the business isn't set up right. So, um, mm. yeah, it's been a lot of time spending um, time just getting that right in the last year or two. Because, I mean, we're up to 550 players per week now, which is a lot um it's the biggest in the UK for parks um and suddenly when it grows that much it's like okay I need to research more I need to spend time to actually look to see where we need to be as a business operation so yeah lots of learning <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and what do you think is the key as you specialize in 10 and under delivery yeah what's the key to 
motivating kids today? I mean, we've touched on fun, but is there something yep. else as well that you're noticing with this next generation of, of children? Well, gamification is still huge. I think the gamified approach, I know you're a massive fan of that. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think everything is a game, but everything also um, feeling connected. And that could be connected with um, the branding. It could be the connected with the the coaches, um, the players. So, um, you know, I'm a big believer in a lot of things can be done as a team. As soon as you individualize skills, they need to be really fun, especially at a young age. As soon as they get a bit older, maybe you can get the competition in there. But um, I think a lot of people get put off tennis still because it's it's too competitive too early or it's too it's too isolated. Um, so I think the longer we can keep that team element, the better it will be. So all the coach training that we do is like, right, how do we make sure that the children are still learning, but they're feeling comfortable? Because if they're comfortable, they'll stay. If they're not, they'll go to another sport. So let's rewind the clock back to the pub. Didn't okay. About you. <laughs> Growing up in a pub. Yeah. Uh, so the some of the values that I'm hearing that obviously that you you got from that around community, and um, caring for people, the customers. Mm -hmm. And I know that you're very close with your family and that that's important to you, which comes back to a sense of belonging. Yep. So take me back to five-year-old Emma. Five-year-old. <laughs> yeah, like who were you then? Like, and what did you want to be? I, I actually always wanted to be a teacher. Um, so obviously the love for kids was always there. Um, but I also had quite a creative side. So when we did have the pub, we actually, um, we re renovated the pub. So we um, made it, it was the first no smoking one in the whole of the UK, which was its USP right there. Um, but also as a family and friends, we all spent time painting, decorating, revamping everything. And um, I think going through a journey like that was, it was fascinating really, because I saw it when, you know, my parents bought it and it was a shell. It was like, imagine an old English pub. People have been smoking there probably 5,000 years. And um, yeah, I mean, it was ripped out. It was rebranded. Um, it was comfortable. It was warming. It was welcome. And suddenly we had the base of a good community. And even though a tennis court was a tennis court, I still think you can get that feel on the tennis court of a, a good brand and a consistent delivery. So um you know, when I look at my mum, she was the the one really that was running the pub. She was the face of the pub. And um, and what she did a little bit was she kind of got a little bit too involved on the day to day. She was there, but then everyone expected her to be there. And I think with me, as the business has grown is I can't be there all the time. But that consistent delivery needs to be there all the time still. And the feeling that people have when I'm there needs to be there with the other coaches. So that's been changing that from, OK, it's MOL's tennis, but it's just the philosophy that we embody rather than me physically being there. Um, and that, yeah, that was kind of last year now. So I can feel like I cannot be there and it still runs and feels like it should, which is, um, you know, taking a long time, but it's a good journey, really. Mm. Is, what, what's the name of the pub? Is it still? Yeah, it's still there, the Middleton Arms. You can look at it on Google Maps. So it's still, Where? yeah, my mum keeps checking every year just to investigate, still running. So Where, what, what, what part of the UK? With, it's with. in North Yorkshire in heartbeat country if you're British you'll know that so <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah 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 so good memories you mentioned about creating that philosophy yeah what is your coaching philosophy my coaching philosophy is to empower every child and person to be the best that they can be and that could be on the court off the court 
I just want people to come and feel comfortable. I think that's the, the key word. It's another C word there, isn't it? I've got all the C words today. Um, but yeah, I mean, as my coaching philosophy is, it's all on the business about team skills, physical skills, and technical skills. Um, the team skills are number one for me from adults and children. That has to be there. You've got to feel like you belong. Um, even if you just feel like you belong with the coach, that's fine in a private lesson. Or if you want to be in a group, that's still okay. Um, and the technical skills will come along when the team and physical are, are there a bit. So I think, um, you know, young kids need to adapt and believe that they can actually catch a ball before they can probably hit a ball to get the tracking skills. Um, but yeah, so th those three elements, they're on the website. They're the three pillars that the coaches know, parents know, the players know, and we all embody together. How do you deal with a parent who says, why am I paying you just to... Uh for my child just to catch a ball, I could do that at home. I, I'm paying for yeah. tennis lessons. So why? Well, it's, you, yeah, it's, it's all, um, it's all part of the process. So it, in their ball skills, they'll do that. But obviously when they get the racket skills and move on, they'll do other things. So yeah, if they were doing that for an hour as a parent, I would be concerned too. I'm paying for throwing and catching. Um, but yeah, the reality is there's so many independent skills as well as throwing and catching to, to develop them and, you know, I think the parent education of, okay, well, if you throw and catch at home a certain amount of times, then you're going to get to the hitting zones a lot easier in the tracking skills. So, yeah, I think parent education is, is something that we've not done a lot of, but I think parents generally understand that um, there's certain things that need to happen before they can get to Z. And we've got a lot of parents that are playing now, and it's because the kids have started playing. They've actually realized how hard it is to learn tennis. So that's... um interesting process for them to be beaten by their six-year-old when they go on holiday <laughs> hence the uh the beauty of modified equipment when parents yep, exactly modified equipment, they're like oh i love this <laughs> yeah what about your journey like making that shift into going out on your own versus yeah. working for, for other people how did you make that shift you know, I, some people say to me, did you always want to run your own business? I didn't think I did, but I think I'm quite creative and community oriented. It kind of led me that way. I'll be honest, it's hard. I'll, you know, any, any business owner, you know, you've done your own business. It, it's hard at times you think, oh God, would it be easier if I work for someone else? But I think the benefits of seeing, you know, what you've accomplished and you've got a team and you've done all this X, Y, Z, but more that you're inspiring loads of people to, to do something that they love and they might not have known it before they come to you. So I think that's a, it's such a privilege to, to do that. I advice I would say to anyone, if, you know, if your philosophy matches where you want to go, then work hard at it. Um, you know, I think female business owners, it is tough. It's, uh, we are really the minority. Um, and especially, I've thought a lot in the last few months about, you know, imagine that you are an elementary teacher. Um, and what's your first thing? It's like, oh, God, that must be a tough job. And then you think, okay, kindergarten teacher. Oh, that's cute, isn't it? And suddenly you think, right, these are two totally different opinions on older kids or younger kids. But actually, the reality is if you're running a business on either, you should be treated the same. And I think sometimes it's seen as like it is seen as fun and facilitation under 10, but reality is everything should be treated the same and everybody should be treated the same. So um, yeah, I think that's where kind of my head's at with it. I would absolutely inspire, hopefully inspire anyone to to run their own business. I think it's it's so rewarding because um, you can shape um, kind of the next generation as well. And I think hopefully, you know, whoever comes in next, next generation, there's females, then they inspire the next and it just grows from there, really. Yeah, role models are the key to 
confidence and yep. yeah we we play such an important role what, what about the Wimbledon that's just gone what are some of your insights around the role models good or bad or anyone you want to pick up on or highlight um, <laughs> I mean Nick Kyrgios has been the most talked about guy let's say from our kids um so I mean yeah I mean in tennis there are yeah, I mean, British-wise, everyone's still rooting for Emma Raducanu. And, you know, again, it's the visibility's there. And I think if the visibility's there, there is a role model there. Her, her expectation and pressure is, is a lot now because, obviously, she did get the win. But um, at the same time, people know who she is. And, that's again, that's another female role model that wasn't there before. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, people like Kyrgios. I mean, you're an Aussie. He's an Aussie. He's, I think he's great for tennis. I know there's people that feel differently, but... He brings that fun factor. And if you just look at that, he does then, um, yeah, he does. He does attract different people to tennis and, um, you know, tennis needs everybody. So I think the more that um, kids can watch, adults can watch, um, it's better. And I think just, yeah, just improves the game really. Mm. Yeah. I, when I used to run a large indoor center, it was one of those beautiful British Melbourne days where it was pouring yeah. rain and Nick came down to our indoor center and it was no one was booking the courts. It was like during a slow time in the middle of the day. And I was working with this little five-year-old who could, you know, hit, hit top spin and, you know, with a red ball. And we were, we were doing some work in the service boxes and, and uh, she goes, I want to go and play a point against him. So I went over there and oh, do you mind playing a point against little Kira? And he's oh, no worries. He played like yeah. 10 points with her. You know, so yeah, yeah. that's a side that no one sees, and no, uh, yeah, he, he does have that that character as well. Um, so yes, all creatures, great and small. There's another C word yep. there. There's, <laughs> I, all the I C words know what the through line for this episode is. Um, all right. Well, what about uh, what what do, what is one thing that you wish you could have told your younger self as it relates to coaching? I guess you don't know, you don't need to be good at everything. I think when you look at coaching and, and you know, the tennis world and everything, I, I I thought I always needed to do everything in tennis. Did you know go and do all the performance certifications, do the ten, do this, do that. But I think focus on what you enjoy. I think that's um is is key because if you enjoy it and you believe in it, then you'll execute it. Um, but I think yeah I think for, for sure I never knew I wanted to to run my own business but I think maybe in primary schools if they did personality charts actually well business owner wasn't really something that came up then it was like you need to be a teacher you need to be a firefighter you need to be a doctor so I think a lot could be brought into schools about right how to yeah educate children in different areas and to be a female business owner because if I'd have seen that even at 12 or 13 years old I might have steered a different way um, and not gone to university and just started my business earlier because I started my business officially when I was 29. Um, and if I started earlier, who knows? You just don't know what could happen. Um, but yeah, I think there's so many variables really. And I think there's uh, there's a lot of control that schools do have, um, but what they put in there is is different, isn't it? Every, every generation. So, you know, we're not in control of that. And to empower the next generation of girls, let's say I'm a 16 17 year old girl I've played tennis at a good local level county level etc mm -hmm. and I'm thinking about being a coach what mm -hmm. what would you say to, to that girl I'd say follow your dreams um you know all, all you're going to do is come up with some barriers try and get through the barriers I mean when I started my business I was still working in Denmark Monday to Friday 
working in Wimbledon Saturday morning. So I'd come back from Stansted, 10 p.m. I'd be on court at 9 a.m. in Wimbledon. So I think you've got to you've got to put the work in, um, and you've got to take every opportunity you can. Um, you know, I knew Wimbledon Park was a site I didn't think I'd ever get to be there as a license. Um, and then, yeah, suddenly the right time was there and um, the opportunity, and I worked hard and made it full time and the rest is history. So I think if any little opportunity comes along, even if you think you can't do it, do it. I think that's the, the biggest thing I would say. And if you don't know how to do it, ask around and work out how to do it. <laughs> Get yourself a mentor yeah. or delegate. Exactly, yeah, both. <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, so let's shift that direction cultural differences that mm-hmm. you you've spent time in america obviously yep. you spent a lot of time i, I remember now in i've forgotten about your little stint in denmark um yep. and compared to british kids mm-hmm. do you with especially focusing on 10 and under yeah what what were some of the commonalities and some of the differences i'd say the commonalities definitely community um you know they all especially you know looking up to underage they wanted to do things together and they wanted to have fun they wanted to laugh at each other and i think that's important to um to almost humor that a bit to well, let them hang on, engage which, which country what, what oh, all over i'd say the same everywhere oh, right um, so and i actually coached a bit in oz as well i don't know if you knew that ah whereabouts uh evolve tennis academy new south okay. wales yep uh, and a bit oh. in perth as well when i was 18 so i've done a couple of little mini stints um yeah yeah most people i've coached feel comfortable but i'm sure if i'd gone into indoor venues in different scenarios then would would they have felt the same would the environment have changed and um that's one thing i really do love about parks and the park culture is you know you get people that maybe aren't been forced to play by the parents they're coming for the love of the game or just for something to do which allows you the opportunity to instill that love of the game um so it's kind of a different clientele but yeah, I mean, I'd say the commonality as well is they all they all just have fun. And if they have fun, they'll come back. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Leave with the smile on the, smile on the face. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Emma, every time we get a chance to chat, I have a, a giant smile on my face. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Me too. So uh, thank you for your time and your insights. And we wish you all the best. But we are going to finish with one last question for you and that is in one to a maximum of three words what do you think makes a great business owner and if you're curious to know emma wells answer please listen to our sponsorship message and you'll hear it at the end just a quick shout out to one of our sponsors lucky and love check out their website shop luckyandlove.com for all your golf and tennis sporting attire and the coupon code is DOYLE20, D-O-Y-L-E, the number 20, to get 20% off all your tennis and golfing needs. I go creative again. We'll go with consistent. See, there's a bit, I'm, I'm going to change the last one, don't worry, it's not all the same. No, I'm not. I'm going to keep the same because it's caring. You need to be caring. Clients, staff and everything. So, it's sorry, it's the same three. It's a bit boring. No, but that's okay. We, <laughs> we, it, the, again... I love the consistency of the message. Yeah. So you heard it here on the coaching podcast, care for your community, be consistent and always be creative to put those smiles on those faces for people to come back time and time again. Can't wait to see you back in person at our next adventure together. Emma Wells, thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me.